Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Welcome to the Soul H2O radio and podcast show, Mela Series Style. I'm your host, Sherry Stahl, and I couldn't be happier you joined us for part two, episode 133, Refusing to be Terrified Because of Them. Dr. Mela Davis is a writer, ethnographer of black history, teacher and mentor for young women who's helping break down racial barriers in South Africa and the U.S. Downloadable Soul H2O journal pages will help you dive deep into the teaching segment and quench your spiritual thirst. You can even use them for your personal devotions and find them on today's show notes at soulh2o.com slash 133 along with information about our guest. So let's dive into today's Soul H2O devotion and get refreshed. One of my favorite verses in the Bible has been Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. These words were recorded for Joshua when God called him to be brave. And they make me think of another brave man who made history himself. Willie O'Ree was the 2008 recipient of the highest civilian award for a Canadian, the Order of Canada. He was honored as a pioneer of hockey and dedicated youth mentor in Canada and in the U.S. For over a month in 2021, players in the NHL wore helmets with decals honoring O'Ree in a celebration for Black History Month. It all started in 1935 when Willie was born in Fredericton, New Brunswick. The great-grandson of slaves and youngest of 13 children learned to skate as a toddler, just three years old, and he started playing hockey by five. At 14, he met the famous baseball player Jackie Robinson. This encounter would inspire him to dream of being in the National Hockey League, even though there had never been a black hockey player in the professional league. In 1956, while playing in the minors, he was hit by a stray puck that caused blindness in one eye. He was encouraged to retire from playing this dangerous game, but this guy had a dream to play in the NHL and nothing was going to stop him. Ignoring the advice of his doctors and family, Willie kept his blindness a secret and continued to chase after his goal, never allowing his disability to become a disability. Within two years of his eye injury, Willie was playing in the NHL for the Boston Bruins as the first ever professional black hockey player in the National Hockey League. While many were happy to see this breakthrough for black people, not all were so kind. Willie shared during an interview how he had to face jeers from some of the people and quickly added, but I guess all of the hockey players get that. Willie lived out Deuteronomy 31.6. He was strong and courageous. He refused to be terrified because of them. Because of his courage, Willie has been the NHL's diversity ambassador since 1998, inspiring many black athletes with 26 current black hockey players in the NHL following his footsteps this season alone. 
Do you want to make a mark in history? Learn from the life of Willie O'Ree that nothing, not even going blind, can stop you from reaching your God-given potential. If you refuse to be terrified because of them and live with courage. Take your favorite radio station with you on the go with the My Joy Radio app. Listen to live shows, catch up with past episodes, and stay connected with Joy Radio 24-7. Download our app today and never miss a beat. The My Joy Radio app, available now. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. I'm so excited to have Dr. Mella Davis back again for today's episode. We had to squish everything into last show uh, with Dr. Mella as much as we could, but we knew the conversation needed to just keep going. So we brought her back again and so that we could continue the conversation. Dr. Mella Davis holds a doctorate degree in performance studies with a specialty in African diaspora studies. She's a trained ethnographer and folklorist who's traveled far and wide to areas and people of African descent, researching oral traditions and culture. Mela's desire to preserve communal storytelling traditions inspire her writing that weaves history and culture through prose. Dr. Davis is a poet. She's an award-winning educator with a mission to write about little-known African-American history. Welcome back to the Soul H2O radio and podcast show, Dr. Davis. I am so pleased to be back here, Sherry. Thank you again for the invitation. Yeah, well, we just didn't get to finish our conversation. Um, and I'm sure everyone listening wanted to hear more because we briefly got to talk on some of the things that we wanted to talk about um, in areas of racism and and talking about some of the incredible uh, African history, black heroes and heroines. So we brought you back and we're so excited to be able to continue that conversation. And, and I know a lot of it stemmed from your uh, a Bible verse that really kind of marked your life. It's one of those life verses that you talked about in Amos 5.24 that talks about, let justice roll down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream, but let judgment roll down as water and righteousness as an impassable torrent. And, you know, God gave you all these opportunities to teach abroad, to study abroad, and then you have impacted lives all around. But throughout that time, you've been witness to some real injustice. And I'm wondering, how did you you know, handle seeing those injustices, whether they were happening to you, happening to students or other friends, family members, people you're watching in the news. And how did you um, work through that as you were teaching, especially, you know, we left off where you were teaching in Texas to this school, you know, and um, how did that really affect you? Well, I tried to help my students realize that the only way their circumstances would be changed would be walking with Jesus and getting an education. I really tried to prepare them for the real world. When I was a child, my mother would tell us, you need to get that piece of paper, meaning the diploma. Now, my sister went on to become a clinical psychologist. My older brother uh, got his master's in, in teaching. And so we all went forward 
because we knew the way out of poverty was with an education. And so I really stressed that to my students and that they were responsible. When I would come home, if I wanted to talk about what a teacher had done to me, perhaps I experienced some racist incident, which happened quite often, my mother wouldn't listen to it because she would tell us, and she would tell me in particular, she's got, or he's got his, you need to get yours. And so that sort of common sense mentality I try to instill in my students, that the way out was through, and that you didn't want to fulfill the stereotype. My mother used to say, just because someone calls you a dog doesn't mean you have to bark. You don't have to <laughs> live up to low expectations. So, again, starting off with you're created in the image of God, the Imago Deo, Jeremiah 29 and 11, God knows the plans he has for you to bless you and to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a, a hope and a, and a future. In fact, the Lord started giving me Bible songs so that I could teach biblical truth to my girls here in South Africa. What I found is that when you have been hard pressed, when you have been oppressed, there comes um, a sort of calcification of the mentality about where you can go and what you can do. And that becomes the hardest thing to chip away at, even more than institutionalized racism or male hegemony. It's the mindset, getting people to think broader than what they have seen, to believe they can come out of their circumstances. So in my opinion, the larger problem is with a lack of self-value and a lack of understanding that God's plans for you are good. And because he's mm. God, he's in all the circumstances you may be facing. But that means you're going to have to get a strategy from him. And when I started the not-for-profit in South Africa, the strategy was make sure that the children go to school. How will we do that? If we have to pay their school fees, we pay it. We give them school shoes. We give them school supplies. We visit the schools. We visit the homes. We do everything that we can, short of literally picking you up and carrying you to school, to make sure there's no obstacle for you getting to school. And then we try to help you read. That's where the literacy comes in. Because unfortunately in South Africa, there's 30 to 40 days where you have teacher absenteeism. So or you may not have a teacher, or you may have four to five students in a classroom. There may not be a library at your school. There are all sorts of things. But if you know how to read, you can teach yourself anything you need to learn. So we really began pushing that, offering the children books. Um, and then eventually I turned to writing my own books based in, in South African culture and geography so that the children could see themselves and their culture there. It kind of reminded me when I was in Guadeloupe. I was on a number of radio stations for the sole fact that I had to learn Creole to be able to do my dissertation. And so the people would say, I want you to come and I want you to speak Creole. And I would say, why? They said, well, because if an American speaks Creole, that's its value. And so I would get on and I would say, Creole you know, Creole is really beautiful. And I would say some things. And me saying a few sentences in Creole gave it value because the people didn't respect their own language. It's a beautiful language. 
um, mm-hmm. the orality of African languages with the beauty of French. But anyway, it's the same thing that I've seen all through the African diaspora, that self-hatred in a certain extent has been so internalized within us that really you don't have to do anything. You can just, it's like a dice that, is, that has been pushed over and it's continued to fall, which is a shame because when you think about people like Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass, these people actually lived the lives of slaves, but their mentality was not that of a slave. Mm-hmm. Their relationship with God had so liberated them that even though their bodies were enslaved, their spirits and their souls were not. Our bodies are not enslaved, but our mentalities are. And that's why we need the washing of the water of the word, and we need to know who we are, that we've been created in the image of God, and inherently have value, and begin to live out of that place of value. Mela, that is the point that I so wanted to continue talking about with you, and I know you have just hit that point home for people, and I hope they're seeing that, that like the Israelites, they got out of Egypt, but it was getting Egypt out of their mind that really set them free and allowed them to enter the promised land, and that you're, you know, you're advocating that it is taking the time to renew your mind in Christ that can really set you free. I can't wait to come back and talk with you more. Hi, I'm Mella Davis from episode 133. And my music pick song for the Soul H2O radio and podcast show is How Far by Tasha Lake. How far is too far. Stay on top of our latest updates with our exclusive newsletter, Living Joyfully. Sign up now and never miss an announcement, a testimonial, or a devotion. Become a joyful insider when you join our newsletter by visiting joyradio.ca. Don't wait. Subscribe today. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. We're back from the break with Dr. Mella Davis for a second day of interviewing her because this girl has so much to say. Dr. Mella Davis is a writer, ethnographer, and folklorist of African culture. And we have been talking about changing your mindsets and and how to, to really combat racism it really needs to start with the people that feel uh, that are experiencing racism is to change their mindset and comparing them to the people of Israel and leaving Egypt. And that's where we are at. And so, Mela, I know you have lots to say on that topic, and I'd love for you to share your uh, spin on that. Well, I often tell my girls whom I've been working with for a decade here in South Africa, they live in the informal settlement of Avian Park. And from the very beginning, I've said to them, I can physically take you out of Avian Park, but only God can take Avian Park out of you. There's a series of ideas, cultural standards that are not kingdom 
cultural standards that stand in the way and inhibit their growth. And until they allow Holy Spirit to remove those things that are not like him, that don't look and represent God's kingdom, they will forever be handicapped by them, by the thought processes, by by mentality. It could be a poverty mentality. It could be a victim mentality. It could be somebody owes me something. Why were African-Americans so successful after the Civil War? Because they had chutzpah. They had moxie. Mm. Uh, My mother's family is part of a community called Armstrong College, where the original people who began that community literally walked off the slave plantation, walked into East Texas, and started their own black community, where it was filled with entrepreneurs that made brooms, and they had their own farms, and they didn't go to, to the white town for anything, okay? And they didn't have an education. They were completely illiterate. They had just been slaves. And guess what? Since they lived in Texas, they didn't even know they were free until Juneteenth. And still, Mm -hmm. they made it happen. So there was just something about them that rose up and said, I will not be suppressed. When we try to cause others to change their behavior, what we're going to get is a backlash. Yes, I believe that to be legislation on the books. That's why we had the civil rights movement. That's why Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, and others were involved in it. But we cannot be deceived into believing that we can legislate a change of heart. We make the change by being Jesus. There was a spiritual atmosphere in the civil rights movement that was not one of entitlement, but one of servanthood. They moved in the opposite spirit. They confronted violence with nonviolence. They confronted hate with love. And they were not overcome by evil, but they overcome the evil with good. Those were all spiritual tactics. The body of Christ has to go back to the prayer closet where we get the strategies and we do the kind of warfare that needs to be done. The Bible says that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. We're not fighting humans. We're fighting the spirits of racism, of hatred, that detest everything that is God-like about us and wants to see the image of God destroyed in us. And when we understand that, we understand that, listen, I need to win my enemy to Christ because his heart needs to be changed. Probably the most famous story is that of the author of Amazing Grace, John Newton. He was a slave owner. What changed his heart? Jesus changed it. Mm-hmm. He was changed the inside out. People like William Wilberforce, they got in there and they began to work with legislation, but they would not have done that if their hearts had not been changed and softened by Christ. We need people's yeah. hearts to change. And then we'll begin to see a lasting change, not a pendulum switch where we have people abiding by the law, but their hearts aren't really in it. And the first chance they get to disobey the law, they do it. Mm. Mela, I think that is so powerful and, and invites us in to be a part of the solution that I can sit here in Leamington, Ontario, Canada. You know, I... Generally, I can't affect legislation in any country outside of my country, but racism is everywhere. 
And so by in my prayer closet, I can let Holy Spirit work on me and change me so that my heart's change and then that my life would affect others. And that as we all do that, if we all take time to pray and to intercede on the behalf of people who are oppressed, that's when we can see change because we're going to be changed and that will affect others. And I think a great way that you help others to change those mindsets and to start um, really seeing the good in others is in your your project that we barely mentioned in the last episode. But um, I love for us to talk a little bit more about your book that's coming out, I Made History, where you focus um, and you've made this incredible book with lots of color. It's beautiful. I cannot wait till people can get it in their hands. But you talk about women who changed history Black women who absolutely were trailblazers, peacemakers that made such a difference in this world. They were innovators. And I think you're you're talking about this mindset shift that if we focus on the good and seeing, you know, uh, these good people. So I'm wondering if you could share just a few stories, just one story uh, from your book of one of these ladies that was so impactful to your life. Well, Sojourner Truth. Um, she was sold into slavery, and she had 13 children that were all sold away from her. Her last child, she actually went to court to try to get that child back. But the reason her name is Sojourner Truth is she was so sold out to Jesus. She said she'd always taken the last name of her master. And since Jesus' last name was Truth, that would be her last name. And because he called her to travel throughout the United States preaching his gospel, her first name would be Sojourner. So as she traveled, she talked about the worth and value of African-American women. But she not only talked about the brown woman, she talked about women in general. And people had this estimation about her, that how could she be a woman? She was over six feet tall. Her, her real name was Isabella Bomfrey. And she stood in front of a crowd of people and hecklers. And they said, are, are you a woman? And she said, yeah, ain't I a woman? And she actually bore her breast to prove she was a woman. And she said, you know, I could head a man and I could pick cotton more than anybody. And ain't I a woman? This definition of what a woman should be. She says, the way God has made me, I am a woman. And then my favorite story about her is when they were talking about how Eve had caused all the problems that this world had experienced. And she said, uh, she said, Eve was a woman. And she said, where did Jesus come from? Where did Jesus come from? From God and a woman. Man ain't had nothing to do with him. But she always had a comeback. <laughs> she was standing in the place where she was anointed to stand, and God always gave her the word. And that's what I want to encourage people with. When you're in your right place, the Bible says you don't need to worry about what you will say because Holy Spirit will give you the words. And he will also give you the good works. You know, prayer, put that together with maybe volunteering to teach a child how to read. Put it to good works. The Bible says, mm. put your faith in action. Put them both together. Pray in the closet. Go and serve somebody by helping them to gain an education or a skill set so they can come off of social grants and welfare. Put the two together, faith and action, and we'll change the world. Mela, it's been my privilege to have you on. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. My pleasure.
My challenge for you today is to live like Willie O'Ree, Mella Davis, and her brave students. Don't allow the setbacks to derail you from the plans God has for your life. Choose to be strong and courageous, refusing to be terrified because of them. Living out Deuteronomy 31.6 and making your mark in this world. From all of us here at Joy Radio, we're so glad you joined us for episode 133, Refusing to be Terrified Because of Them, part two of two in the Mela series. Make sure to check out the show notes for scripture graphics, information about our guest, and links to anything mentioned in the show, plus a video about Willie at soulh2o.com slash 133. I hope you'll share this episode with your friends and family to help spread the word about Soul H2O. Come back next week for an interview with TV host Kelly Nelson as we talk about how your identity affects you. Until then, I'm praying you stay blessed and refreshed. We appreciate your support to help Soul H2O Ministries continue and want to thank all of you who partner with us in making this Joy Radio show a reality so people can come and get refreshed. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world.